My goodness, thank you, Brother Terry. He still speaks. If you brought your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. We're going to look at Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2. Thank you, choir, for sharing with us today. Thank you, praise team. Thank all of you for taking part in worship. Those who are viewing, thank you for being a part of our, our worship service. And Brother Terry, thanks for that beautiful song. First time, first time I've heard that song. Thanks for sharing. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2. This morning I'm going to share with you in a sermon I've entitled, What Has Happened to the Power? What has happened to the power? So this morning, if you're physically able, please stand in reverence for the reading of the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God as we look at Acts chapter 1, one verse, and then uh, Acts chapter 2, and I think uh, we'll read verses 2 through 4. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power... When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And then Acts chapter 2, verse 2, on the day of Pentecost. Verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And Father, I pray this morning you would take your word, speak to our hearts, allow your Holy Spirit to move among us, Holy Spirit, please be our teacher and our guide this morning. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. And Father, I pray that you would be with me as I share. Give me the, the, uh, the words to say. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you will receive all honor and glory and praise for it all. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. So this morning we want to look at a sermon I've entitled... What has happened to the power? What has happened to the power? Let me begin by, by saying Mountain View Baptist Church, the pastor, and all of us who are members of this church, we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is the Trinity being one God, not three different gods as some would say we believe in, but we believe in one God who manifests himself as God the Father, God the Son, and as God the Holy Spirit, eternally existing in three persons. So we believe in the Trinity. And I believe that the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is sent by God not to just be studied, but to be personally experienced. That's very important. Many of us, have stood at a distance from the Holy Spirit for a variety of reasons. Some stand apart from the Holy Spirit because of a false teaching about tongue speaking, 
or perhaps being slain in the Spirit, or the teaching that when we receive the Holy Spirit, there are a lot of uh, discussions about those three topics, but Baptists see a little different from what some see those teachings. And so some kind of stand away from the Holy Spirit because of some of the teachings that they hear about the Holy Spirit. But we somewhat acknowledge Him, but very rarely experience Him. And that's important. We somewhat acknowledge Him, but we very rarely experience Him. I have personally discovered that you can learn about the Spirit and not understand the importance of Him operating in your daily life. You can study the Spirit. And it's good to study the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. Because as a believer, He comes to live in our life when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. But we can learn about the Spirit and still not understand the importance of Him operating in our lives working and moving in our lives, directing us and guiding us in our lives. So there must be more to the Christian life than just hearing about the Holy Spirit. Now, there have been times in my life, personally, that, I, that in my personal life, my calling as a preacher and a pastor, where I've said something like this, there must be something else to the Christian life than this. Dr. Joe Savage said this, and I'll quote, I felt like a weak, struggling pastor who was teaching that Jesus gives the abundant life while living something completely different. Now, I believe that's the way a lot of people feel today. Therefore, today I want us to begin to discover how we can experience the abundant life mentioned in John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So how can we experience that abundant life? You cannot experience the abundant life apart from the Holy Spirit living within you. Now I want us to discover, as God teaches us, how we can live with power, with joy, and with direction in our life. And all three of those come from the Holy Spirit. Now, for about five or six weeks, I've been preaching, I've been teaching, I've been praying, we've been singing about revival. I believe God's doing a lot of work in the lives of several people in our church. Last night, um, I went to a revival prayer meeting, a call to prayer for revival at Calvary Baptist Church. And so uh, we met there at 7 o'clock and had prayer for revival. All the churches in the area uh, were invited to attend, and I wanted to go. I'm thinking, you know, after I've preached and after I've taught and after we've prayed, and all of a sudden I get a call saying, Brother Samuel, we're going to have a call to prayer for revival, and you're invited to come. I wanted to go. I felt God was really speaking to me about going from what all is happening here. And so revival is what we're talking about. A revival is, is when the Christian, the Christian, is rekindled by the Holy Spirit to the point that God has complete control of that person's life. He has complete control of your life as a believer. You'll, you're experiencing revival when you give Him complete control 
of your life. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Now the question is, where's the power in the church? Where is the power? He's speaking that we're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. But where is that power evident at Mountain View Baptist Church? Where's the power in our personal lives? Where's the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life? What evidence do you have that you have the Holy Spirit of God in you? Where's that power? What, what has happened to the power? And the answer is, we're not allowing ourselves to be empowered by the one who gives the power, and that's God. He gives us the power. He gives us His Holy Spirit. Now, if you're taking notes, first of all, you have spiritual power. Now, let's talk about spiritual power for just a moment. Now, the Greek word used power in Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 8, and some following passages, that Greek word is denomos. Denomos is where we get the English word dynamite. Now, you won't have time to look these passages up, but jot them down as we focus upon spiritual power, that dynamite type of power. Luke chapter 24, 49, Jesus said, Stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Acts chapter 1, 8, we just read, You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Acts chapter 6, verse 8, Stephen was full of grace and power and did wonders and signs. Acts chapter 10, 38, Peter said, Jesus was anointed with Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit and power. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, For the gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in the power of the Holy Spirit. So what's the point? The point is the power of the Holy Spirit is an essential part of the church and also an essential part of a believer's life. The Holy Spirit. And that includes you. That includes me. So the Holy Spirit is an essential part of our lives as believers and also as, as a church, as a congregation. Theologian J.I. Packer, in his book entitled Keep in Step with the Spirit, said this, Supernatural living through supernatural empowering is at the very heart of New Testament Christianity. And the empowering is always the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again. Supernatural living through supernatural empowering is at the very heart of New Testament Christianity. And the empowering is always, always the work of the Holy Spirit. So here's the big question. Can we honestly say that God's power is evident in our faith family. Now, let me, let me conclude that by saying, um, on a regular basis, can we honestly say that God's power is evident at Mountain View Baptist Church on a regular basis? On a regular basis. Is the Holy Spirit's power manifested in our attendance, 
Now, when I, when I say Mountain View Baptist Church, I'm speaking of, of church. It's not the building. It's not the church. It's individuals. So when I talk about is the Holy Spirit of God being manifested at Mountain View Baptist Church, is He seen working in people's lives on a regular basis when it comes to attendance? Or when it comes to giving? Before you give, do you pray and say, Lord, what do you want me to give? Direct me and tell me, what do you want me to give? Is that happening? What about in our, in our, in our going, as we go and as we witness? Is the Holy Spirit evident as we're going and as we're witnessing? Can we tell the Holy Spirit's moving in our lives? as we're going forth day in, day out, seeing people, greeting people. What about in our serving? Is the Holy Spirit power evident in your life serving the Lord through the local church? I was happy yesterday we, our uh, hunt ministry did an outreach ministry at Crooked Oak Baptist Church where Brother Mike Norton is a pastor. And, um, and they, they, they did a fantastic job getting ready for this ministry. We had some from Pleasant Hill that helped and had, had several from our church that helped. And, and it was just amazing to see all the serving going on. I had one of the people, to, at members at Crooked Oak came up and said, I mean... This group is just amazing. They came in here with all the food, and it was ready, it was cooked, and, and they're cooking hush puppies here now, and everything. They could not believe how people were serving. And so is the Holy Spirit power manifested in your serving? Is, can, can, can you tell He's working as you serve the local body? Is He moving in your life? You see, as pastor, I, I've witnessed God accomplish a, a number of things here at Mountain View Baptist Church, and they were God-sized tasks. Only God to, could have brought whatever happened about. It was really a miracle of God, but I haven't seen that on regular basis. Regular basis. So the question is, do you have God's power currently operating on a regular basis in your life? Regular basis. In your attendance, in your Bible study, in your giving, in your serving, and all of those um, uh, Christian um, uh, areas, is can you tell He's working in your life? Is your life dynamic? Is it dynamite? Is it powerful? Is it? If you would, jot this verse down. You may see it on the screen. 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. Verse 4 through 5. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 2 Timothy 3. Look at verse 5. 2 Timothy 3. Verse 5. Let me find it. 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. 
having a form of godliness, having a form of godliness, but denying its power from such people turn away, having a form of godliness. And so what I've discovered about my life um, is this. At times, there's not a lot of power. I mean, there's a form of godliness, but there's not a lot of power. So I confess to God, God, in these years, there's, there's been a number of times in my life, in my ministry, that was based on my power and not on your power. So today, are you seeing, are you experiencing God's power in your life. So first, you have power. Jot this down real quick. Secondly, you have the church before Pentecost. This is Acts chapter 2, 2 through 4. I want to give you a timeline. Just imagine this timeline. Jesus died on Friday. He arose on Sunday. He appeared to his disciples. He appeared to others 40 days. He ascended to heaven on the 40th day. He told his disciples to stay in Jerusalem until the coming of the Holy Spirit. And for ten days before the Spirit came on the 50th day, for ten days they were frightened, they were anxious, they were confused. They prayed and they were fearful. Gathered together in a little room, prayed, fearful. But on the 50th day, Pentecost came. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Pentecost came. The Holy Spirit came down on the disciples, and the world hasn't been the same since. Now, the church before Pentecost, before the Spirit came, there's no organized church, limited number of believers. Believers were weak, they were frail, they were scared, they were confused, they were uncertain. And all the disciples fled and they were behind locked doors, according to John 20, verse 9. They fearful for their lives. But now, during that waiting period, the church during the waiting period kind of resembles the 21st century church. During that waiting period, they, they met at regular times, kind of like we do, Acts 1, verse 13 through 14. They had a leader. They had a preacher, a pastor, Acts 1, verse 6. The leader taught the Word of God, Acts 1, verse 16. The leader preached about the Holy Spirit, Acts 1, verse 6. And no longer would God be on the outside of the believer, but He would be on the inside of the believer. His temple would be their bodies. The church was born of power. The church before Pentecost, the church after Pentecost, you had this waiting time, and what's the great difference? Number four in the outline. What happened that changed the believers? All of a sudden, no power. All of a sudden, power from on high. What changed the believers? Some people say, well, I know what happened to them. Uh, they were no longer fearful. 
I know what happened. They got saved. They were already saved. I know what happened. They believed. They already believed. I know what happened. They, they obeyed the Word of God. They were already obeying the Word of God. I know what happened to them. It changed them. It was their prayer life. No, they started a prayer life. No, they were already praying. I know what happened. They had a love for God. They already had a love for God. It was their leadership. They already had a leader. They had a preacher. So the point is, the one thing that changed the church at Pentecost was the Holy Spirit came upon each one of them with personal power and might on each one of them. And so today, we need to go back to the basis before we kindly go forward in the future and think about the power of the Holy Spirit. So what we need today, where's the power in the church? Where's the power in the people? What we need today are men and women, boys and girls, who've trusted Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of their life, to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and be with Jesus through prayer. So if you and I don't have a daily walk with Jesus, and we don't have a daily walk with Him and the Holy Spirit, we're just going to live like pre Pentecost. We're going to be weak. We're going to be frail. We're going to be scared. We're going to be confused. We're going to be uncertain. There were about 120 who followed the word. They had business meetings. Acts chapter 1, verse 21 through 26. They had unity. Acts 2, verse 1. They sounded just like us. They believed in Jesus. They followed the Scripture. They prayed. They carried out business meetings. They met regularly. The point is, they just looked like a typical church like we look today until Pentecost came about. And that changed everything. In just a few short moments, these frail, frightened, confused followers of Jesus were suddenly transformed into a mighty army. Think of that. Their fears changed into invincibility. Their, their reluctance changed into boldness. Their doubt changed to hope. Their confusion gave way to direction, gave way to purpose, and they began to witness, and 3,000 souls were saved from one event, and the world hasn't the world was changed forever at that time. It hasn't been the same. You see, no longer did they pray to God, but they experienced God. And so, why do Christians today and churches today feel so defeated? Why are so many churches, and when I say churches, are made up of God's people? And if a church seems to be defeated, it's because people seem to be defeated. So why are churches defeated, seem so defeated today? Why are they so complacent today? Why is there so much fear in the church today? Why is there no sense of hope in reaching our community and towns and cities with the gospel? According to the scripture, they're missing the supernatural power that's found in the Holy Spirit of God. They're proclaiming the right message, but with the wrong power. They're serving in their own power. They're going in their own power. They're giving in their own power. 
And God wants to restore His power in your life, in my life, in the life of our church. Because He says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, has come upon you. And I pray, I pray today that we will humble our heart and we'll ask God as a believer to fill us with His Holy Spirit to have complete control over our life. You know, it doesn't mean that uh, you do crazy things. It just means that you're obedient to the Lord. You know, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Jesus said, If you love me, you're going to obey me. If you obey me, that's a sign that you love me. And there's so many in the church today whose heart has shifted. We talked about this last Sunday night. I'm teaching on, on Sunday night how to have a fresh encounter with God. And one thing that happens when we start to depart from God, our heart shifts. And one sign of a heart shift is disobedience. And when you disobey God, then you begin to set up little substitutes in your life for God. You're seeking a love relationship with other things and not of God. And so when you start doing that, then your heart has shifted. God says, if you love me, obey me. You say, well, God, it's not that, it's not that I, I don't love you. It's that I'm having a hard time obeying you in some of these things like, uh, like a quiet time or, or like attending church or, or like witnessing. I'm having a hard time doing that. And um, it's just that I'm having a hard time. And God says, it's, it's, not that, it's not that you're disobeying me that's your problem. The problem is you don't love me like you should. If you love me, you're going to obey me. And if you don't love me, you, you're not going to obey me. So it's not a disobedience problem as much as it is you don't love me. And so when we sh our heart shifts and we become disobedient, we know that we're going farther and farther and farther away from God. And God will do whatever he has to do to bring us back to him. And that's our lesson tonight. Come at 5 o'clock and we'll talk about the discipline of God when, we, when our heart shifts from him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to, to hear, to learn, to be taught by your Holy Spirit about your Holy Spirit. Lord, we're missing the power. Lord, we're doing things our own ways at times. And things, we, we can see the remarkable take place when we follow you and your spirit and how he directs in our own personal lives and the life of our church family. And so help us, we pray today, to come back to you. Lord, to repent as believers and come back to you to experience the full power that's, that's in the Holy Spirit as he lives within us and directs our lives. Father, I thank you for loving us enough that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. My goodness, the love that, that God, you, you had for us to give your only son for our sins. And he went to the cross and died on that cross as our substitute and paid the penalty for our sins. And you promise in your word that those who receive you, their sins will be forgiven. They'll have eternal life, and they will be blessed 
by having the Holy Spirit to live within them, to, to guide them and to direct them and to be with them, to teach them. And so, Father, I pray for every person today, those who have never trusted you and only you to be their Savior, that they'd come today and say, Brother Sammy, I want to trust Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And, Lord, today they can find what they've been searching for and they can have that personal relationship with you today. And you'll come and live within them. And, Father, they can experience the fullness of your Spirit. Father, I pray, Lord, for Christians that are here today who, whatever reason, their heart has shifted. They're shifted and they've become disobedient. And because of that, Lord, they're beginning perhaps to experience some discipline in their life. I've been there. I know how that works. So speak to their heart. May, may this be a time of recommitment, rededication of those believers who have, their heart has shifted, that today they'll come back to you. Thank you for what you're going to do in our time of invitation. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.